You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. In case you hadn't realized, I think this is number is this number five, I think, of this sermon series. In case you hadn't realized, this sermon series is really not about the music. Okay, it's not about the songs, all right? Uh, we, we're kind of using the titles, and uh, it's a little bit of a hook, you know, just something. It's summer, you know, something to make things just feel a little better, a little, you know, just kind of kind of pull everybody in a little bit. But this this one right here, this 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 song, this sermon title, this whole thing, there's something different about it. Okay, let me let me let me uh, kind of lead into this just a little bit. Back up three years ago, and I had surgery on my foot when I broke a bone in my foot. Uh, some of y'all will remember that, and uh, I actually was a little more casual than this because I had that boot on, you know, and got to sit on a get to sit on a stool instead of instead of stand up here and walk around, pace back and forth, and uh, and while I was in my rehab, one of the um, one of the exercises they gave me to kind of work this foot was was thing a thing that I called the the Igor walk, okay. Uh, because they kept, they kept saying, now, don't forget to do this and this and this. And say, you know that thing, that thing I said, you're talking about the Igor walk, you know. And it, and it was like this, okay. You know, it was like this. Now, I would just have to do this, you know, throughout the day. Turn one foot one way and just do this. And it just reminded me of Igor. And, and uh, one day, I was, uh, I was at my daughter's house. And Colin and I were going somewhere. And Colin was seven years old at the time, my grandson, Colin. And um, they have a long hallway leading to the front door. And so I'm, um, I'm thinking... <laughs> perfect opportunity. So, you know, I start down the hallway, you know, doing like this, you know, and, and, uh, and, and we get almost to the door and Colin says, pop, when we get outside, don't do that. <laughs> you know what he was saying? Don't walk this way, right? And the reason I called it the Igor walk is from a 1974 movie, Young Frankenstein. Anybody ever seen it? Anybody ever regret seeing it? Okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, and in this movie, um, Marty Feldman plays Igor, and he has this, well, I, I don't think there's ever been another movie or anything that, where the character actually had this kind of a walk like this. And, and uh, so early on in the movie, young Frankenstein, the great-grandson of Dr. Frankenstein. Now, incidentally, this is fiction, okay? Don't go look this up in the history book. Dr. Frankenstein did not exist, all right? Sometimes we get a little confused with some of the things, all right? And uh, but uh, he, was, he was coming to take his inheritance of the castle. And so Igor was going to show him to his room, you know, early on in the movie. And so he's going to walk down some steps, and he's got this cane, and he ends up giving, giving uh, young Dr. Frankenstein the cane also. And he goes down the steps, he says, he says as he's leading him, he says, walk this way. And, he's, and he walks down the steps like this. And so young Dr. Frankenstein, he takes the cane, and he does it too, you know. And so it's a big joke uh, that is more of a visual joke, you know, if you see it. It's a big joke, but it's, it's kind of told over and over and over. I mean, you'll see it in all kinds of, of sitcoms. I, you know, I thought of several. I, I mean, I could, I, could, I could spend a lot of my time right here just telling you about all these times that happened. During, uh, when it was in movies, several members of the band Aerosmith went to see this movie. And, you know, and it's one of those that, you know, you either love it because you just love slapstick comedy or you hate it because you hate slapstick comedy, like my wife, Dave, you know. And so it's like one of those, well, they came out 
really enjoying it, probably because they were high while they were watching it too, and you know that probably didn't hurt. It hurt the thing. And uh, they had this song that they had already built together. It was the music was all together. You heard some of it just then. Had all this put together. What they didn't have was the lyrics. And they came out, and they were laughing, and they were talking about it. And, and then, uh, and I think it was actually a manager or someone who said, you know, Walk This Way would be an awesome song title. And so they took that as a song title. And then you know what else they took from that movie? or, or the, Not a single thing. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, when, when I heard this story, I'm looking and saying, but where, where's the connection to it? And so... So when I say, say this, that there's no connection, kind of like that's the way we've been doing some of our sermons. We've really just been tying into the, into the sermon, into the song title. But it's like there's nothing else that connects to it. It's almost like, hey, we like this title, but we're going to go a totally different direction with this. You know, and I think sometimes that's the way we do with our lives, don't we? Man, I like that, but I'm going to do it this way. You know, I like what the pastor said Sunday, but, you know, I think I'm going to do it this way. I like what, I, man, let me tell you what I read in the Bible last night, but I'm going to do it this way. You know, the title walk this way, it's not walk anyway. It's not walk his way, her way, their way, and it's not walk your way. The title of this sermon is walk this way. That it, it, it denotes that there is, go ahead, you can go to the next, that first slide finally, <laughs> five minutes in, we finally get to the first slide. There is a right way to walk. There's a right way to act. There is a right way to treat others. There is a right way. You know, and that, I, 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 think even, I think even that statement right there has really come under attack as well. But let me tell you this. We as human beings, we require an external standard of right and wrong. We require it because when we don't have it, our, our compass gets, gets all confused. Uh, man, man, I've got. I'm glad, glad we got the clock today because I got so much. I got so much in my head that I'm trying to not preach. But you know, I, I, I'll just maybe I'll give you a little bit of this, and, and and it'll make you look as well. I just reading a little bit of Tom Holland over the past few weeks, and this is an atheist. But you know, one of the things he said. One of the things he says. Let me see if I can wrap this up real quick. Because I mean, if I really get into this, I'm gonna I'm gonna be here 15 minutes. I don't have 15 minutes. But he talks as, a, and he's still an atheist. Okay, and he still says this as an atheist. But he says, you know, throughout all of history, you know, it's not it's not the age of enlightenment that taught us all these these mores, these societal mores that we have that make us live the way we live and treat one another the way we treat one another. It's not that. It wasn't the Romans and it wasn't the Greeks. And he says, he says this is as close to the quote as I can get, I am not a Roman, I am not a Greek, I am proud to say I'm of Christian heritage. Now, he's not a Christian. He doesn't believe in God. He's an atheist, but he says it's Christian because here's the whole thing. The way mankind has treated one another throughout all of history the way mankind is treated one, it just, it just think about the, the Me Too movement today. I mean, you go back 50 or 60 years, and uh, we have the sexual revolution and where everything that the Bible says and everything that Christianity stands for, you know, has kind of been under attack now for 50 or 60 years. And now we've had the Me Too movement. And you know what the basis of the Me Too movement is? It's the teachings of Christ. It's that Christ says, 
Just because you've got power does not mean you can treat somebody else the way you want to treat them. It's, it, it, it means that just because, and it's not just, it's not just in sexual things, but it, it's, uh, it's in the, you know, it's, it's, in the, it's in the power, it's in the money. It's in the control of other people and their lives and the things. And there was never anyone else, no one before Jesus Christ said those words. No one taught that. It was Jesus. It was Christianity that says everyone is even. It doesn't matter. Male, female, Jew, Greek, even bond or slave. And I, and I know you and I, we don't understand slavery. We, we, we've got our American understanding of slavery, but, but it, it, as horrible as it was, but there have been, there's been slavery throughout all of these other centuries that, that was way before, before this, when Jesus was speaking about this, and when, was Paul, when Paul was writing about this, and, and horrible slavery. And, and they were saying that even, even if you have sold yourself into slavery because you were destitute and poor, said even, even bond and free are all even. All the, nobody else has ever said that until Jesus said that. And so the, the ideas that we have, the ideals that we have, I mean, the, 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 whole, um, the whole civil rights movement, every, everything that, that we've been fighting about for the past 50 or 60 years, it seems, all goes back to Jesus Christ saying, walk this way. And when we start fighting against that, we start fighting against pieces of it. And we'll get into that maybe in just a little bit. We start fighting against pieces of that. And we've got to realize this, this, is, this is a way. And we don't get, get, just get to choose this and that. This is a way. Then how, how do we get there? You and I, we, if we're not careful, I'm going to have to skip a slide just because I've used up too much time right here. If we're not careful, no, no, give it to me. Let me go ahead. Let me, go ahead. I, let me just, real quick, okay. Two weeks ago on Father's Day, I gave you this. And just let's read it real quick. Bruce Wilkerson has written that the journey of generational faith can look like this. First generation Christian experiences faith. That's the best. To the second generation, faith is an inheritance. Still a good thing. To the third generation, faith is a convenience. I do what I want to do, what's convenient to do, when it's convenient for me to do it, and to the fo- which is a dangerous place. And to the fourth generation, faith becomes a nuisance, which is disastrous. And here's one of the problems that churches are having today as they're fighting and grappling with all this stuff going on in our lives is that we've got too many second and third generation Christians in the church and that are raising third and fourth generation Christians. Is, is, if you're a second generation Christian that someone in your family has handed off Christianity to you, you need to, you need to celebrate that you didn't have to start from scratch like a lot of others did. But you need to also remember that you can't stay there. You've got to also own Jesus on your own. You've got to, because if you don't, you're going to be raising third generation Christians. And, and here's, the, here's the problem. It's when we just have a bunch of rules. Rules aren't enough. When we're, fo- when we're following rules for the sake of following rules, what we'll end up with is we'll end up down here at the bottom where our rules become a nuisance to us instead of doing it for a right reason or for whatever so, so, so it's got to be more than rules. It's got to be that. It's got to be an experience of faith. And where does that begin? John 3, 3. Glad you asked. Jesus tells Nicodemus, middle of the night, Nicodemus comes to him and starts asking Jesus questions about, about faith and about salvation. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again. Now, several, several, several years ago, before some of you were even alive, the term born again was another thing that came under attack. 
Cancel culture is not new, okay? We've been trying to cancel everything we don't like for years. I mean, everybody always has, okay? Born again was something that people, oh, I, don't, I, I just don't believe in that born again stuff. Those are the words of Christ. Jesus says born again, okay? All right, secondly, bring it to the next slide. There isn't a common law provision in salvation. You know what common law is? A lot of states still have these antiquated laws on their books that if a couple lives together and acts like they're married, then legally they are married. You know, that you don't actually have to go get a license. All there, there are laws like that because way back in pioneer days and all that, you know, it wasn't really easy to go down to a courthouse somewhere and do all those things. And so there were common law. But there is no common law provision in salvation, meaning that you and I, we just can't exist together every Sunday, and eventually you'll be a Christian, or eventually you'll have salvation. That's not the way it works. You can't hang out with enough Christians. You can't go to enough small groups to just end up being a Christian. That, that you have to make a choice, and the choice is not, I want to be forgiven, or the choice is, I don't want to go to hell. The choice is of a new life. That's the choice that we make. You see, that's the choice of Christianity, and if you have questions about salvation Christianity, let me just tell you, here's, here's where it begins, here's where it is. It's a, it's a decision, it's a choice for a new life. It's not a choice because, hey, things aren't working out in my life, I think I'll try a little bit of Christianity. No, it's a choice of a new life. Just, just like, just like uh, in the book, of, what is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 and 10, the example of water baptism Incidentally, we're going to have a water baptism service the first of August, I think the second Sunday of August, something like that. And if you've never been baptized in water and you're a Christian, you need to be baptized. You need to let us know. Okay. All right. Uh, but here's, here's the example. You got water, got water, right? And when someone's baptized, they are buried in the water. Now, you don't bury things that are alive. You bury things that are dead. So they're buried in the water. This is, this is from Hebrew, um, Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 10. Buried in the water and then resurrected pulled out of the water to a new life. That's, that's the symbolism of water baptism. And why we do it the way we do it is because it's, like, it's a death and a resurrection. It is the choice of a new life. It's not just a little bit of do good or do better. Bring up that next slide for me, if you will, Kevin. We aren't Christians because we do right. But when we become Christians, when we are born again, we have a new nature that wants to do right. Sometimes we get the chicken and the egg backwards, right? Get the cart and the horse backwards. We aren't Christians because we do the right things. You can't do enough right to become a You have to be born again. Those are the words of Christ. 2911 didn't come up with those. I didn't come up with those. My mentors didn't come up with those. Jesus said those over 2,000 years ago to a highly religious, respected man that was living at that time that came to him in the middle of the night and says, tell me about salvation in you. You must be born again. Okay, so let's walk through a bunch of scriptures right here for just a moment if we can, okay? Oh, and this is going to be hard for me to do this in a hurry, but I want to do it in a hurry because my time gets away from me. This is Romans. We were, we were talking about Romans chapter 6 just a second ago, right? Verses 1 through 10 and talk about baptism. Here we're going to pick up at verse 12. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Sounds simple, right? Is that simple? You don't, you don't have to raise your hand, right? 
that's, that's not quite as easy as, you know, it's just written there. Don't give in. Just don't do it. You know, just, just don't sin, okay? Just don't do it. That sounds easy. It's not as easy. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin, okay? That, may, that sounds real hard. Hang in here, and I'm going to tell you what the secret is. Because a lot of us are struggling with these first two verses right here. That we, 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 we can't keep sin from continuing to creep into our... Okay, let's go there. Hang with me. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. Like baptism. You were dead, now you have new life, right? So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. And I know some people are saying, I, I know you're talking about, i got to give 100% all the time and all that kind of thing. That's not all we're talking about here. Watch this. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Next slide. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we get to go on sinning? Of course not. King James says, God forbid. He didn't set you free from sin, so you go right back to it. Don't you realize this? That you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. Listen to that. I, I, I'm just going to play with this a little bit. I, I'm, I'm not going to give myself to it, but, but once you begin obeying that, you become slaves to whatever it is that you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you have wholeheartedly obeyed this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature... I'm using this illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Okay, that's the illustration he's trying to give us. Using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you'll become holy. When you were slaves, let me not read that one yet. Let me back up and give you another. He says here, I'm giving you this example of slavery for you to get it, because I don't know that you'll get it without me. Can I give you another example, 2911? Can I give you another example this morning? Let me give you the example of parallel universes, okay? Because here's what's going on. We all live in the same earth world, right? We all live on the same earth, the same surface of the earth. You know, uh, the Pope doesn't walk on a different surface. Uh, he doesn't walk on a different plane. You know, your, your, your favorite pastor or your favorite Christian writer doesn't, doesn't walk on a, on a higher plane or a higher level. We all walk on the same earth, but we live in different universes. There is a universe of sin that he's talking about slavery to sin, and there's a universe of righteousness. And that's the universe that, that, that when you die and you're resurrected again, that when you are born again as a Christian, you're still living on this earth, but you're like living in a totally different universe. Does that make sense? You're like living in a different universe. Let, let's look at that just to get back up and say, previously, if I, if I change the wording there a little bit, previously, you, you led, you led uh, lives in this universe of sin and lawlessness, which led to even deeper sin. Now you live in a universe of righteous living so that you'll become holy. So that you'll become holy and more and more holy. So that good things will happen in your life. 
And when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? Okay, now, now, let me say this real quick. And we're going to go back to that universe thing. Is, is he's not saying that if you don't become a Christian, you're not, that you're, you don't have to uh, abide by the laws and the rules. But what he is saying is someone that does not have morals, we don't expect them to treat us right. When someone who lacks morals cheats us or lies to us, we're not blown away. That's what it's saying there, okay? So now back to this universe thing. You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, like the way you used to act in restaurants, you know, when the, when the, when the waitress didn't do things just right. I mean, that has changed since you've been in this new universe, right? You aren't still acting like you used to act in the restaurants when the, I mean, that, that, those things are supposed to change, right? Okay? Uh, and that's a cute one, right? That's a funny one or a cute one. But we're talking about probably more serious things than that. You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. I know. I know when we lived in that old universe, we defended that universe. Come on. Amen. We defended the way we acted in that universe. But when you step over into that universe of righteousness and holiness, you realize, oh, my goodness. Have you ever cringed over something you did five years ago, 10 years ago, 20? Yeah. You know, I was reading something the other day. Some, I, I, I mean, it was, I know it's true because it was on Facebook. I was reading this the other day, and somebody said, you know, when you cringe over something you did, that's a good thing because it shows that you have grown. I agree. It may show, it may be one of the steps of proof that you have as a Christian that I'm living in a different universe because I cringe over those things now. Dave and I, we like to watch Dateline. We like to watch crime dramas, you know. And you know what, you know what, most of the time we sit there pretty quiet, but if we say something, most of the time it's like, how could anybody treat someone like that? How could anyone be like, and you know what, you know what's going on here? We are sitting in our living room, living in our little universes, and we're looking at a totally different universe on that TV screen and thinking, I don't understand that at all. That's the way this, this thing is going here with, with Christianity, with salvation, is that once you become a, a Christian, once you are dead to that old self and you're alive now in this new universe, it's like you're living in a different universe and, and all that other stuff is foreign to you now. I can't imagine someone that would cheat someone else in a business deal. I can't imagine someone that would tell somebody something knowing it was just absolutely a lie because it's a different universe but but people do live out there and it's almost like you you have to watch a movie or something about crime to even even remember or imagine what it was like you and you and I if you're a Christian living in this universe that's why this is so different let me wrap this up right here uh, now you do those things uh, no, no, I need to back up. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you're free from that old universe and you've become a member of this new universe. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And Christianity, Kevin, the next slide, please. Christianity is more than choosing to do better or to be nice. The choice is a new life. The choice is to be in a, in a totally different universe. And we, we struggle with this. We struggle with this thing of, we struggle with this thing of, but, but I keep slipping into this. But again, once you start really living in this new universe as a born-again Christian, 
dead to that old and, and alive to the new, those things don't have the control over you anymore. That's what freedom is. You're in charge now. That's what the freedom is, is, is you're now in this universe and you're in charge. You don't have to do those things anymore. Okay, but I know, I know we, we still still. You ever watched a movie for the second time? And while you're watching it, you know what's about to happen, and it's a bad thing, and you're, you're just wanting to scream, no, don't do it. Like a you know, horror movie, and you're like, don't open the door! <laughs> right? Right? Or, or, or there's a, there, you're watching a romantic movie, you know, and, and uh, they're at the airport, the couple's at the airport. He says, I'll be back in two months. And you're like, don't get on that airplane. Right? Or like some of you say, Anakin, don't cut off Mace Windu's hand. All right, let, fewer people laughed at that one because uh, I'll have to explain it to some of the rest of you. Because it was no backing up from there. But you know, what's happening is we know, we know. And, and, and still we're saying, oh, if he, if he just wouldn't cut off his hand, he wouldn't become Darth Vader and all that. So now you're, some of y'all are, okay, you're talking about Star Wars. That's why it went over your head, right? It's like, it, it just, if he wouldn't do this, if he had just done it this way, and, and, and you're watching the movie, and you're, you're pulling for them to do it, but you know it's not going to change, right? You watch that movie 10 times, it's always going to be the same because it's kind of there, and it's done. And there's a time like that in Luke chapter 23. The night before Jesus dies, the religious leaders, I should say hypocritical religious leaders, they take Jesus to the governor, the Roman governor over Judea, Pontius Pilate, and they want him to have Jesus put to death, sentenced to death. I was reading Luke chapter 23 about, I guess about two months ago, and I thought this is going to be perfect right here in this sermon. Because as I was reading it, and I was reading Pontius Pilate, you can just watch him. He knows in his mind, he knows in his heart, Jesus is innocent. And he wants to let him go so badly. And then his wife comes to him and said, don't have anything to do with that man because I have suffered some bad dreams because of him. And Pilate wants to let him go. And you know, and I'm just pulling, come on, stick to your guns here, Pilate. You know, I mean, I was this, this, this time, you know, like the 400th time maybe that I've read this story or heard this story, whatever. And I'm really just, oh, Pilate, you know, if you just turn Jesus loose. Imagine all the good Jesus and his disciples can do. But for the 400th time or whatever, Pilate listens to the crowd. Pilate listens to the political, politically correct arguments. Pilate bows to the, to the pressure that he's getting from the outside. Pilate fears the backlash if he does stick to his guns. And he gives the Jews exactly what they want, the freedom to do whatever they want with Jesus. And Jesus is crucified. And I'm there, you know, I'm thinking, Pilate, you, you know, you could have sealed your place in history for a different reason, but you didn't. And how many times does that happen to us when we look back and we think, mm, I did it again? Or how many times is God watching our life play out and he's pulling for us, come on, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. But then we slip. And we want to say, I, I couldn't help it. Uh, I know a comedian from many, many years ago 
coined the phrase, and it's been said a lot of times now since then, and many of you will recognize this phrase and not even know the comedian that said it, Flip Wilson. But he said, the devil made me do it. And how many times we want to say the devil made me do it. But the devil doesn't make you do it when you've become a part of this new kingdom. Can, can, I, can I say this one, one last little thing? Because, you know, there are people that argue. Man, there are people that argue about these kingdoms and about, about whether you can go back and forth between kingdoms. I've got friends that say, you know, when you, you come into this universe, this kingdom of righteousness, if you ever slip back into this other kingdom, this other universe, well, you just weren't saved in the first place. I've got friends that say that. And then I've got friends that say, well, you know what? If you just slip up just a little bit, God scratches your name out of the book. You're back over here in this kingdom, and you might get saved three or four times a day. I've got friends that believe that, okay? You know, and that's why, again, I say we require external standards of right and wrong. Because when we are left to our home imaginations, we can be anywhere. Left field, right field, center field, and all the places. But you know what? All those people agree. They agree this. This end of the spectrum, this end of the spectrum. Everybody agrees this. About this going. But you can't live in both universes at the same time. And when we try to hang on to a little bit, you can't do that. You stay in the old universe. You stay in the old kingdom. You stay in the old life. We have to make, it's a, it's a choice. And, and give me our, let's wrap up with this last, last scripture right here. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. There's the promise. The power, it's the power of the Spirit. And you know what we want to do? We want to say, well, the devil made me do it, or the Spirit wasn't there, the Spirit didn't help me, and I failed. No, that's not what it says. The power of the Spirit is there, but who's in charge? You put to death. Yeah, you've got to use the power of the Spirit, but you put to death those deeds. You choose to live in that universe. And that, that is what Christianity is. That is what salvation is. I want to ask the worship team if they want to come join, come back around. And we're going to close with a prayer and a final song, okay? And um, let me just go ahead and tell you, I might not say this again, so hear it right now, okay? If you have a need, any kind of need at all, someone's sick in, in your family, uh, you've got a financial need, you've got anything you need God to do, prayer team members are going to be, be on either side of the worship team here in just a moment to pray with you over whatever needs you have in your life, okay? They want to pray with you, and God meets needs. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe what God wants to do, okay? But here's the prayer I want us to pray together right now. I want us to pray a prayer. Sometimes we call it a prayer of salvation. There's not like a prayer of salvation. You've got to pray this or whatever. It's, it's basically just saying, I want to be a part of that universe. I'm tired of slipping and falling and making the mistakes. Come on. I know, you know, like I was saying a little while ago, we, when we lived in that old universe, we defended that universe. We defended our actions and all of that. But, you know, looking back at those things now, we know. We see the debris of the universe of sin. Just like, just like that condo that fell in, in, in Miami. And all that debris that is there, we see that kind of human debris as a result of sin that is all around us. And so we have to make this decision. I, 
I don't want to be debris anymore. Every Christian sitting here today has made that decision. I don't want to be debris anymore. I want to live this life that is free from the debris because that's the freedom that God wants to give you. And if you want to make that, make that decision with us today, the Bible says basically all you've got to do is just believe Jesus is who he says he is. And then start putting yourself out there as a Christian. Talk like a Christian. Be a Christian. Tell people, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to this church. Change your Facebook status, all that kind of stuff, right? And, and just be a Christian. That's all it is. Because Jesus has already done the hard part. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.